0: In athletics, the most wonderful time of the year for national football league fans beckons as super bowl 55 is just around the corner from us between the new England Patriots. I mean the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas city chiefs should be a thrilling matchup should be a thrilling game. It's pegged to be, we'll see if it delivers. We've also got the NBA in full swing people still on the fence on whether or not they should care about college basketball yet. And your St. Louis Cardinals, Al just basically getting handed and gifted. One of the best underrated players in major league baseball for a a bag of ham sandwiches. So get into that as the show goes on. But regarding the national football league, a non super bowl related story that took the news this week, I wanted to touch on briefly to see what you thought about. It was a rare quarterback for quarterback trade, Al, something that we only see in video games. When you're pissed off about the quarterback you might have on your franchise team time to ship him aside and get somebody else in there. There's only been a handful of these in NFL history. And we had one on our hands earlier in the week. As Matthew Stafford was dealt from the Detroit lions over to the LA Rams for Jared Goff and a slew of things coming to the Rams first round draft picks in 2022 and 2023, a third round pick in 2021, some this and that, but they're getting a pretty decent haul for their once first round pick Matt Stafford, of course, the first pick for the Detroit lions Exciting in some ways, interesting in others. I wanted to see what you thought about this quote unquote blockbuster deal and what it begs to mean for both teams in the 2021 season to start things off here.
1: Well, John, first of all, we say hello to all our friends and listeners as we are uh, just a couple of days away from Super Bowl 55. Uh, one team with Super Bowl hopes for next year, and another team continuing their rebuilding process since 1957. I I was surprised. Um, I love Stafford as a player, love his arm, think he's incredibly talented, and given everything there is to give to a franchise in the Lions, he's been the good soldier. They've been hideous. Has he thrown big interceptions at times? Absolutely. No doubt about it. But there's never been the great talent around him. We know the Detroit franchise struggled, um, I believe, three times, three trips to the playoffs. I thought the Colts were going to be the fit for him. Uh, I thought he would be in a great spot there with uh, one of the best offensive lines in football, excellent coach and quarterback guru in Frank Reich, excellent front office, eminently winnable division I just thought that was the perfect fit. The Rams wanted him desperately. Their hotshot flyboy coach, uh, we all know him, off his trip to the Super Bowl, in which he was badly outcoached by Bill Belichick. And uh, you know, his quarterback now has immediately fallen out of favor uh, with the coach. And that former number one pick, uh, Jared Goff, has been sent off along with two first-round picks. Uh, the, the price, I thought, was shockingly high for a quarterback of that age in Matt Stafford. Don't get me wrong. He's not 35, 36, probably he's 33, which I guess is today's 20, 33. Today's like 23 in the old days. I don't know. But the point is he's still got a lot of life left and a live arm, but Detroit got a boatload in two. Now granted the Ram first round pick, so they're not at the top. They're towards the back of the first round and a third round pick. And they got Goff. But look, I know he's you know, he's not a great quarterback, but he did go to Super Bowl a couple of years ago, and he's got plenty of life ahead of him, you know, in terms of his NFL career. He's still a young guy. I really think Detroit, under the circumstances, did remarkably well. Um Obviously, Goss making a lot of money, so that goes into their cap scenario. But you know, this guy is a solid NFL quarterback, and they get two first-rounders and a third. And the, the Rams get the quarterback that obviously the coach desperately wanted. Desperately wanted. Always thought to be immensely talented. And you know, the Rams have a good defense, a very good defense. They've got good possession receivers. A lot of people think they need a breakaway threat. I like their running back. I like Cam Akers a lot. I think he could be the guy in terms of the running back situation, but they're probably going to be looking to get another wide receiver for their new quarterback. But you know, considering the fact that you had a quarterback who had fallen into disfavor for one franchise and a quarterback who said to his franchise, it's time, finally for a change. This is not at Deshaun Watson, you know, I'm done with Houston after four years. Um, Get me out, I've earned my stripes. This is a guy who's been there for his entire career, taken a lot of poundings, stood in, taken the heat, done the best he could and said, you know what, I'm ready for a change. Considering those circumstances, I actually think both teams made out pretty darn well. And I think both franchises should be Pretty happy considering that they got um, plenty of bang for their buck because the Rams gave up plenty, but they got an immensely talented guy who's still got a lot of life left. And in giving that up, Detroit gets a legitimate NFL quarterback and two first-round draft picks. So uh, I think it worked out pretty well for both teams, but it was surprising to me at how much the Rams gave up to get Matthew Stafford.
0: You know, it's interesting because on paper, it's hard to argue negatively for either side. As you mentioned, this seemed like there's more positives for both teams than there are negatives. It's almost a personal type of argument that you would make for this trade. And it's whether or not you like Matt Stafford or whether or not you like Jared Goff. That's really what's going to make you decide the winner or loser of this thing is is really who you feel better about as your quarterback. For me, gun to head, I would probably prefer, not probably, I would prefer Matt Stafford over Jared Goff. I think Matthew Stafford hasn't been in the best of situations as you've hit on not saying that he hasn't had pieces around him throughout his career, but overall it's been somewhat of a slog for him. Having Aaron Rodgers in your division, isn't the best thing going against you as well. And Jared Goff, we're still waiting to see who he's going to become, who he's going to evolve into or what his norm will be, where the water will set, if you will, for him. We don't know if the trip to the Super Bowl was mostly on Sean McVay's shoulders. We don't know if they made it in spite of him, if you will, just based on how the team was built around him, or if he was an incredible contributor to it. We don't know whether he'll be able to get back to said Super Bowl or how he'll even do in the postseason. But if you're Detroit, you've got these draft picks now, you've got a new head coach kind of a whack job from what we saw at his opening press conference, obviously, but Hey, you put some hope in him. Now you've got a quarterback that I'm sure he wanted. They're not going to make this deal. If he, the head coach isn't necessarily behind it. And you could start building over from scratch and see what you have, see what you can build around Jared Goff, and see what it looks like.
1: They need players. It's as simple as that. It's a roster that needs work. You've got to get, you know, use your capital, which is what they did. The Colts didn't have that to offer probably. They they made an excellent deal. And they get you know what the Colts didn't have to offer, which is a legitimate starting NFL quarterback, which Goff is. He's middle of the pack. You know, he's Kirk Cousins. You know, only a little younger. Um and we'll see. Like you said, it's not gonna have a lot around him. How is he gonna deal with that? But you know, he's a pro. He's never complained in L.A., despite the fact that he took a lot of heat from a lot of people, didn't exactly have a, you know, a, a real stamp of approval from his organization after the playoff loss, which I thought was kind of disappointing. I really, I, I really thought they kind of pulled out the rug from under him, and I didn't think he deserved that. I, I thought that was kind of Bush League, the way the Ram coaching staff and front office, office handled it. I thought that was pretty poor because I didn't think Goff did anything to deserve that. Uh, so we'll see how he does with, I don't want to call it a fresh start, but uh, you know, a, a new place, place for a relatively young guy. And it, it's a rebuilding process. We'll see how he deals with it. And uh, you know, a, a, a fresh breath of air in LA for Matthew Stafford and a new beginning.
0: A new beginning, indeed. He's got to be excited, not only for the opportunity to play with this Rams defense, some playmakers on their offense, obviously, Sean McVay as head coach, the godsend Sean McVay, who can get anyone that's shaking his hand, a head coaching position in the National Football League. And you're leaving Detroit for LA. It's got to feel pretty good. And he gets to hang with his buddy. his high school chum, the great Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, we heard that story pretty much. High school
1: teammates on the football field, high school teammates in travel baseball. A couple of California boys, not too shabby.
0: Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. We had that going for us. And then another storyline, aside from the Super Bowl, continued to bubble and grew some steam after this deal was made for what is going to happen with Deshaun Watson? Will he stay with the Houston Texans despite making it available that he wants to leave? What is he worth now that we've seen what the market, if you will, views the worth of Jared Goff and or Matthew Stafford. And what team or teams would be the best fit for him? People have a lot to say about said subject as one would in sports media. Brett Favre sounded off about how he should basically just count his money and not worry about leaving. Now, Brett Favre didn't
1: exactly say that. And Nick Wright said this morning on his show that they're basically telling Brett Favre to shut up and play. And that's not what they said. All right, so let's get that straight. Brett Favre said, you know, think you're making a lot of money. Uh, you, you, you should play, but you be also said times are different than they were when I was playing, and they make it sound like when well, Brett Favre was talking on both sides of his mouth, and Colin Coward said the same thing because Brett Favre was the diva. Brett Favre did that after years and years and years and years with the Packers, and. You know, it was about threatening to retire or get a new contract, etc. It wasn't after four or five years. This is after four or five years with an organization. And look, I love the Sean Watson as a player, and by all accounts, he's been wonderful for the city of Houston. He's not happy with the organization. He says it's dysfunctional. Uh, he didn't get any discussion apparently in the GM hire. Uh, the coach, new coach wants to talk to him. He's black. The ex-Raven assistants, ex-Raven assistant. But the point is. They talk about how, well, you know, this is, This was okay for these guys to do and talk their way out of cities. Well, they make it sound like these guys all did that after three or four years. These guys did this after long careers in the same city, which they took their lumps, got knocked around, uh, and were ready to move on. Well, he's been in this city for, what, what did he just finish? His fourth year? Or was it by chance his fifth year? No one's telling him to shut up and play. But, you know, you did just sign a massive contract a couple of years ago. And all of a sudden now, this is the place where you can't play. Now, I understand Bill O'Brien was at the helm and Bill O'Brien was a terrible coach and an even worse general manager, a complete incompetent. But Bill O'Brien is gone. Bill O'Brien is gone. He's gone as a general manager and he's gone as a coach. So are you going to give the ownership that gave you this massive contract and show their faith in you by rewarding you a chance to make things right. Or are you going to say, no, I'm done. Get me out of here. And then if that's the case, uh, the question becomes, who is the highest bidder going to be? New York Jets, New York Jets, New York Jets, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins. And, and it's simple for me. If I have the New York Jets, my offer is uh, my two first round picks this year my first round pick next year
0: and Sam Dow. Take whatever you want, right? <laughs> Take whatever you want. The pull quote real quick from Brett just so we have it cleared up for our listeners from Yahoo Sports is quote, you get paid a ton of money to do a certain job and just do it and let the chips fall where they may. I think we make too much money to voice an opinion, but I'm not saying he's wrong. Again, I think it's a different day and time, and it'll be interesting to see how the organization handles it. Now, that is not shut up and play. It's also interesting too, the sport, right? Because we know in the NBA, this can happen where players just get fed up of the teams that they're with and pretty much force their way out year after year. I mean, if you want to play with your friend, if you want to play in a different city, it's not entirely difficult to make that happen and make it known and put the chips in motion. What we know from the NFL is that doesn't happen. You want to go play with your friends. That's great. You're on the books for another three years. Once your contract's over, then you could go play with your friends or try to. It's a whole different world as far as the I'm not happy here anymore crowd. So that's also an interesting aspect, as you mentioned, like, you know, there, there's a lot of money now tied to Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans. It, it's nice that you want to maybe get out of here and see what else is there, but you're also on our books. So that's not going to help you.
1: Look, this is an immensely talented guy.
0: He is a, a wonderful young
1: quarterback, swat through knee injuries looks like he's back and as good as ever, but, you, do you just talk your way out of there after such a short time and getting such a big contract? and I understand some of the stuff they did was asinine. Um, but you know do you at least give them the chance to sit down and talk to you or you're not going to talk to ownership you're not going to talk to the new coach you're not even going to give them a chance you know to at least hear what they have to say and what the plan is. and you know it's not like they've been at the bottom of the division his entire career. They have made the playoffs. This is not a perennial last place doormat um, that simply, you know, was totally incompetent on the field. They may have been incompetent from the coach and GM standpoint, but they still had success. And, of course, he was responsible for a great part of it. But still, uh, that doesn't mean you just have to say sayonara. Sayonara.
0: And make it sound like, you know, you're one in 15 every year, which they are not. I can't blame him if he indeed wants to get out of there. I mean, there's games you'll watch even this past year, several games where he's getting pummeled with sacks, guys dropping the ball, defense is making mistakes. And you're just like, get this dude out of here, man. (laughs) You know, we had enough years now where we haven't gotten to the promised land yet. Send them somewhere else to see what else he's capable of. Because it's interesting too when you look a little bit more big picture as far as quarterback careers are concerned, and how important it can be not only for the quarterback but for the team the draft said quarterback to look into, in some senses, the Super Bowl. Ben Roethlisberger, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, kind of. Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, when you have that quarterback on those first year contracts and you could spend money on all those different positions to build around said quarterback before you have to pay them and you're able to win a super bowl. I mean, that's Christmas morning over and over again. Now, more often than not teams, aren't going to be that lucky And that window, unfortunately, for the Texans is basically closed for the win early part of Deshaun Watson's career. Now, that doesn't mean you should get rid of him. But look at Andrew Luck. Right.
1: And Andrew Luck was the first pick in the draft. One of the three most pro ready quarterbacks I've ever seen as I went through this spiel before, all ironically from Stanford. But a front office that never built an offensive line around him. He got the hell beat out of him. Went to the playoffs, but ultimately retired far too young because he didn't want to take the beating anymore. And for his own good health, he walked away. An incredibly bright guy who you know, missed an entire season, looked fine when he came back in terms of his arm, but the rest of his body, he just did not want to take the beating anymore that he had suffered because the team did not put and as soon as the general manager was replaced, boom, when well, they go out and draft, nothing but offensive yeah, linemen. Great. And they put together one of the best offensive lines in football. Uh, that's why I feel like Sam Darnold would be a perfect fit there. Uh, as Adam Schefter tells us, it's going to be a quarterback. Who's who?
0: Gave what did, a musical he, what did chairs. he have the number at 18 quarterbacks it, that could possibly be on the move?
1: That's the number he put out. And if I if am the Colts, I've got my eyes set on Sam Darnold. Because I think he would be a good. I, I told you. I thought, you know, I thought the Detroit quarterback would be a perfect fit there. Uh, Phil Rivers was w- was okay, but we know, you know, the Cowboy was well past his prime. I think that Sam Darnold still has a chance to be a really good quarterback if put in a position where you can win. Because as you started to talk about, you know, it's it's not just the team; it, it's also Back at the rookie contract, not spend a lot of money, build around him. Well, look how helpful that is to the quarterback. Look how much better it's made those quarterbacks. Look how it allowed Ben Roethlisberger, who was hideous in his first Super Bowl, which was a win, to blossom. Look how it's allowed, allowed Patrick Mahomes, who was brought along slowly with Alex Smith the first year. And that was a lot despite his great year. and it was was hideous in his first Super Bowl and got the MVP. They didn't win because of him. They went despite him. Not because of him. He was awful in the Super Bowl. Um, So now can Sam Darno flourish in a place with some talent around him? Because he's been in a place with no talent. Nothing around him. And he's been beaten up because of a poor offensive line and no weapons. So you put him behind the Colts offensive line, keep him healthy with Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin and add some little receiving out,
0: I think it would be a great fit. You know, interesting too on Andrew Luck, you don't hear from him a lick. He's not on social media. He doesn't do interviews. He retired and sailed off into the sunset to his his farm or whatever he does in his spare time and he is living the dream. He re- he retired.
1: He he retired. Period. That's he how retired he, retired. N- He's he retired from the NFL in every conceivable fashion.
0: It's crazy. And the crazy part is there's still probably two to three more years, at least a window of, Hey man, take a year. Rehab. Come back. Come back. <laughs> Get
1: healthy. Feel good. I'm in the best shift of my life
0: you're not 36 yet. Come on back. That, that's basically the window that's open for him. 36 to 37 years old. Once he hits that, maybe then it's time to consider that there's no comeback coming, but tons of people are still crossing their fingers. That'll make a return to the national football league. Speaking of Patrick Mahomes, he plays in yet another big game of his life. Come this Sunday in yet another super bowl. Speaking of Nick Wright, I'm sure he's giddy leading up to the game. Obviously, as a Kansas City Chiefs fan, we mentioned it to lead off the show: the Kansas City Chiefs, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the goat versus the whatever the name is for a baby goat. Isn't that the joke that's been going on? Let's
1: let let let's. That's the joke. Let's put the brakes on it. Let's put the brakes on. You got to have something witty to give
0: this game. He's a wonderful
1: young quarterback, but I'm going to be the old report. That's the title of this show. New report, old report. You know, Enough with the baby goat. He's a <laughs> tremendous young player. He's a tremendous young quarterback. He has been great so far. But that does not make you the greatest of all time. Winning a second Super Bowl or second consecutive Super Bowl does not make you the greatest of all time. It does not elevate you already, as Nick Wright says, to the greatest quarterback of all time. Right? He is a wonderful young player. He does a lot of great things in the position. He also throws interceptions. He also fumbles. Right? He also makes mistakes. He also has a world of weapons. And he has the quarterback whisper. He has the coach was the perfect fit. He has the mad scientist who allows him to go out and make plays because of his wonderful offensive design and schemes, which is perfect for this personnel. And Andy Reid now can do no wrong. And Andy Reid will win another Super Bowl and Andy Reid will go from the malign guy who couldn't win a big one to the first coach who had back-to-back Super Bowls since Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. And my, oh, my, what a change that will be. And it'll further stamp him now when he wins his second Super Bowl in a row as one of the great coaches of all time. And Patrick Mahomes is a wonderful young player. But let's can the GOAT talk win or lose on Sunday? Please.
0: What are your weary or troublesome storylines for either team? Kansas city is clearly the offensive line. Yeah. I was just going to say, that's the biggest one that I think stands out. Thankfully for them, that's the biggest one. And not that the barber that had planned to give the majority of the team haircuts who turned out to test positive for COVID-19 during giving a haircut to the center of the team who had to go into protocol. Thankfully, as of yet, it hasn't spread Throughout the team, coronavirus that is, from them wanting to get haircuts to look their best for the Super Bowl come Sunday. Thankfully, that's not the most troublesome thing. It's only the offensive line. At
1: least they didn't all get Patrick Mahomes haircuts. That's right. Patrick Mahomes haircuts. Excuse me. Shout out like state the all state, like the all state, la- 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 like the State Farm commercial, which is an absolute classic. You mean you don't need to get this haircut to get the the, the, the State Farm right? Whoops. Oh man. Whoops. Um and and the reason I would be so concerned about that is not just the state of the offensive line, but watching what the Tampa pass rush did to the backer offensive line. So that obviously raises issues, protection issues. So I, I think what you'll probably see at least early on is the ball coming out quick. Um, I don't think you'll see a lot of deep drops uh, unless it's on a scramble. And I think you'll see a lot of stuff that's designed to hit quickly underneath to whether it's Travis Kelsey or Hill or Sammy Watkins or out of the backfield, whatever the case may be, because the pressure they had on Rogers was basically outcome determinative. That was the difference in the game that killed drives in big spots, sacks, uh, it resulted in them you know, having to throw the ball sooner than they wanted. Uh, didn't give receivers enough time to get open. Uh, you saw throws that were in tight windows. One, a perfect throw that should have been a reception, but was an interception, which is the one before the end of the first half. I mean, Rogers had to get rid of it pretty quickly. And I think that will be the key for Kansas City, to protect their quarterback. And on the other end, same scenario. In fact, I will give you my unique analytical approach, which has absolutely nothing to do with analytics, but my analytical approach in terms of numbers is as follows. I'm going to take the plus minus in sacks, and whoever has the plus side, a touchdown per sack, i.e., Five sacks for the Chiefs, two for Tampa. Chiefs win by three touchdowns. Protect Patrick Mahomes and protect the football, and the Chiefs win rather easily. Something else to watch for? Every once in a while, both Travis Kelsey and the speedster have a tendency to cough it up after the catch. Kelsey's done that in the past uh, when fighting for extra yards or when he takes one of his flying leaps. Uh, Hill has done it in the past, uh, obviously, uh, last year in the playoffs at a punt. But if the Chiefs win the turnover battle, there's no way they lose the game. And if they win the sack battle, it will be a route. It will be a route.
0: So if we're uh. live betting at halftime and Either team is winning the sack battle. You're saying we should be throwing down on said team. If they're winning, Absolutely. say four, two handedly, not like two to one. Absolutely.
1: See that. Oh, uh, well, if, if somebody's if somebody's sacked four times in the first half, they're losing the
0: game. Yeah. Uh, by that point, it's probably not worth live betting because your odds are not going to be great. Assuming that the team doing the sacking is already winning by a couple of times. I mean, they up.
1: sacked they sacked Rogers five times.
0: Yeah. Now, Rodgers is not as mobile as
1: he used to be. Absolutely not. But that is a live Tampa defensive line. That is an active Tampa defensive line. And remember, they did it for the most part, I would say for the most part, almost exclusively with four guys. So that's got to be a huge concern for Andy Reid and company. The fact that they've had two weeks to work on it and plan their offense around it. Will they run it? much i seriously doubt it i don't know how how uh healthy the rookie running back from lsu is i know bell is healthy um i like the running backs anyway because they've got a lot of depth there both catching it and running especially catching it and i think that could pose a little bit of a problem uh because not sure how well those tampa bay linebackers are going to cover out in the flat but you know the key for Tampa is obviously pressure on the quarterback and obviously you're not going to keep them out of the end zone the entire game, but you know, you want to stop drives with a couple field goals instead of touchdowns. You know, if you if you can keep two or three of those drives to field goals instead of touchdowns and six or nine points instead of fourteen or twenty-one, that is a massive difference, as you know. That could be the difference between winning or staying in a close game to being Blown out, because once the Chiefs start going touchdowns, that's all she wrote. They would become the snowball going downhill, you know, just like they were against Buffalo. You know, you think you're right back in it, boom. You know, there's a 70 yard catch and run. You know, there's a little 10 yard pass over the middle, and boom, 70 yards later, it's first and goal to two. And then there's Travis Kelsey over the middle with like nobody within 10 yards of him. How is that possible? For another touchdown catch. So I, I, I think. The The pressure on Mahomes is mammoth for them because if he has time for his receivers to get out and run their routes, whether it's Kelsey, whatever he wants to go over the middle, he'll deep. Sammy Watkins, intermediate and deep. The flyer from Georgia, the punt returner who, you know, can also really, really scoot, who poses another problem Hardman in terms of, you know, Another speed receiver. Uh, that's that that that's a tough deal. It's a tough deal. It's a lot for a secondary to deal with. If the quarterback's got a decent amount of time to throw, and you know, also you've got the possibility of you know, strip sacks. They're not bad at that, um, but they have to keep the pressure on. They have to keep the pressure on, and. You know, you'll get to see Andy Reid, I think, at, at his finest, against a wonderful defensive coordinator, Todd Bowles. Not a great head coach, but a hell of a defensive coordinator. So the matchups are really good. Um, excellent receiving core you know, in, in Evans and company. Uh, we don't know if Brown is going to play yet. Not sure what Groxloff got left in the tank. Uh, Tyrone Mathieu, the honey badger, Very interesting positional player in the secondary uh, for Kansas City. Big time playmaker. Uh, You'll see him on the blitz. Curious to see what kind of impact he has on the game. And obviously, the most important defensive lineman on the field for them is Chris Jones. How much pressure is he and company going to be able to put on Brady? Because pressure on Brady is usually outcome determinative. We've seen it in the past from this defensive coordinator who has a great record against Brady. Steve Spagnuolo, great record with the Giants. They smoked them earlier in the season. He's been very successful against Tom Brady and company uh, over the years. So, and a lot of it's been by pressure. So, we'll see what happens, you know, on that front. Uh, if they're able to put they've always been able to find a way to put pressure on Brady.
0: We'll see what happens. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato and this is the new report, old report. It's interesting when you look at the week 12 matchup for folks that want to use that as a gauge because while the final score was close, 24 in favor of the Bucs to 27 of the Chiefs, the Offensive output wasn't close at all and wasn't close after the first quarter in some aspects we've talked about for mostly half of the season, really till after, since after week eight, I think was the last game where the chiefs really put a team away. They beat the jets. They beat them handily. They did what they should have done against the jets. And then from then on for the regular season, they weren't covering spreads. They were keeping teams around granted that all changed against the Buffalo bills heading into the, the Super Bowl, they hammered them. They hammered them. So that whole narrative kind of took a hit, but that narrative was part of the first time they played heading into the fourth quarter. They're up 27, 10. They had dominated on the offensive side. They finished the game with 543 yards. Mahomes threw for 359 by the half. We remember Tyreek Hill at, what, 220 after one quarter? But the game comes down to, if, if it changes the possession, or one stray possession where Tom Brady ends up with the ball in his hands with two minutes left in the game, down three. Oh, hey, we're here.
1: Hasn't that always been kind of an Andy Reid bugaboo?
0: Closing out that, games, absolutely. Well, we know, you know his time management has always you know, been his album. F- f- oh. Finishing, fin- finishing, not just that, but you're know, finishing teams off.
1: Because that's really not, clock management is really not a question of, of, of finishing teams off. Just you know, letting teams hang around and not being able to go in for the kill and, and put them away, whether it was that second score. You know that final one that you know, foot on the throat, let them hang around, and then the clock management takes over and you blow the game. But the but the point is that it's always seemed it's been kind of a deal with, with Coach Reed. So you know we'll see what happens if, if um, I mean with the Bills, you know you know with the Bills the outside kick, you know not that that they were ever back in that game, they were still down three scores. But it almost seemed like there's still this outlandish possibility. You know, how, how did we fall asleep like this? Now, I don't think that's going to happen in this game. I think they're going to be ready, primed, prepared. And I think part of it, a big part of it, is the fact that they're playing a team that they've played already and that they are playing Tom Brady. And you talk a a player who makes his team better. This could be a scenario where a player makes the other team better, where a player brings out the best in the other team because they know they can't pussyfoot around. They know they can't fool around. They know they can't be sloppy or messy. They know they got to bring their a game because Brady will go at it. Tooth and nail anything and everything to win. He's found ways to do it. Just ask the ask the Atlanta Falcons and put him down, put him down hard and you know, put the old man away. And that's what I think the Chiefs defense will be out to do. I think they will be out to make Tampa beat them by running the football. I would put constant pressure on Brady. And I thought the Packers could do it. They could not. They were always a step late. I would I would dare Tampa to run the ball. I dare him to run the ball. You want to run, run. Run all you want. I'm not letting you throw. Not letting you throw. I'm going to send more guys than you can block. I'm going to do it all the time. You got five guys in, I'm sending six. You're going down. If you get it out of your hands, you're going down. I hate to say it. I'll take a couple of Not dirty ones but I'll take a couple of roughing the passer penalties. They won't be cheap hits. They won't be dirty hits, but under these rules, they might be roughing the passer. Got to hit them. Got to hit him. Don't have to hit them. Then it'd be dirty. Then not to hurt him, but you got to knock him down. And a couple of maybe roughing the passer calls. Which but you can bet on, work- by the way.
0: I think in Vegas. I'm sure you can. I think it's- I'm sure you can. <laughs> I think it's. It's either plus or minus 190. It, m- it must be plus, maybe, that a uh, roughing the passer will be called during the game. So there's that if you guys are looking for a couple prop bets to throw down. I-, I think the interesting part, somewhat regarding prop bets, there's so many historical lines for this game just regarding both quarterbacks, which is what makes it exciting. The bullet points that Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes have put together, Patrick Mahomes already having put together in in a younger career. The interesting note, as far as your prop bets go, Al, is how Tom Brady fares in the first quarter of Super Bowls. He's in his 10th, as we know. He's won five, as we know. Six, right? Six. Correct. Sorry, I don't want to sell him one short. He's got the Jordan with six. Mm-hmm. He has never in the super bowls that he has played in led his Patriots to a touchdown in the first quarter of Correct. the football game. Yep. He has Remarkable. led them to a field goal twice. If you are looking to place money down on a bet. I am going to jinx it for you now. So fade what I'm about to tell you. It is whatever the number is for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If it's three and a half, you got to take the under because he's not getting you a touchdown at best. Maybe, maybe they'll get two field goals, but they're not scoring a touchdown. That's what history will tell you. Now, whether or not that happens now that I've given you that with confidence is to be seen. The other interesting aspect of Patrick Mahomes is just looking at his career, never losing a game by more than eight points. Incredible. We don't have enough time in the show to go over the historical stats for both Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. What the stats would tell you for this particular season with Patrick Mahomes at the quarterback for the Kansas city chiefs is they're going to win the football game. They're just the better team. They have the better quarterback. They have the better schemes. They have the better offense. All the stats are mostly pointing toward they're going to win the football game. have a the better coach now you look over and see Tom Brady on the sidelines. Let's not so fast, my friend. To quote Lee he, Corso, he 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 has lost. How many of these? Well, he's lost a couple of the Giants, and he couldn't beat Nick Foles. Okay, so it's not like he's six and
1: zero like Michael Jordan. Well, he has we lost need, three. Of them. The Chiefs need he, to put he, in he, Chad. He Henney, has Chad. lost three.
0: of these. They need to put in Chad Henne. That's the only way they're gonna they're gonna <laughs> win this game. <laughs> you need to put in the worst quarterback. Obviously, Nick Foles beat Tom Brady. Is it time for Chad Henny to get his due? I
1: I don't think under the category of anything goes, I, I don't think that's going to be on
0: the list. Maybe, maybe not the best play. You're right. But what I what I do think
1: is that it's going to be uh, really interesting to see how this game starts. Is Tampa going to come out and try and establish the run with Ford?
0: Well, it starts with the coin toss, Al, because the Chiefs defer, right? Every time they win the toss. So they're they're going to give the ball away to Tampa Bay should that happen. If Tampa wins the toss, what do they do? Are they taking it and saying, let's go? They'll
1: defer. No, they'll defer. They'll defer as well. Everybody wants the ball to start the second half. Mm Everybody wants the ball to start the second half.
0: By the way, so minus, they, minus 113, I think we're at uh, for FanDuel and DraftKings for heads or tails, if anyone's interested. Usually he gets it at 110 around when game time starts. Very curious to see
1: you know, how Tampa opens their first possession. Is it going to be trying to establish Leonard Fournette? You know, what, what is their game plan going to be? Is it going to be trying to shorten the game? Are they going to come out and throw caution to the wind and just say, we're going to sling it and try and match your throw for throw with the old man? Because we feel our wide receivers and our schemes, uh, we can get open against that. Defense. It, it's look, the machinations of it are incredibly interesting because you know, like I said, you've got a, you've got one defensive coordinator who did an incredible job last week, who has a great reputation and you have, this other defensive coordinator who's already won Super Bowls and he's won them against this guy, this legendary quarterback. So you've got those matchups, which are incredibly interesting. You've got, obviously, the old report and the new report in terms of the quarterback scheme, where, you know, arguably the greatest of all time and what they are touting is the, the next greatest of all time. It it, it just weapons as far as the eye could see on both sides at at the receivers, uh, wide receiver spots. You know, does Chris Godwin play? You know, do, do the Chris Godwins and Sammy Watkins play the bigger roles in these games? You know, we've got the old tight end against the tight end in his prime. We've got, you know, the lightning quick, fastest guy in the league. Against the little guy who says he's the fastest guy in the league. So uh, it's got a lot of interesting scenarios uh, as well as you know, how the defenses match up, because you know, all the talks about the quarterback, but you know, the defenses in the playoffs have played very well. The chiefs especially. Kansas city, the, the, the chiefs defense against the bills was terrific. And the Bucks defense, uh, now look, Drew Brees was shot, but they played well against New Orleans. And that same defense did a really good job, at least in the first half, against Rodgers in terms of keeping them out of the end zone. Uh, so it's, uh, like I said, strange bedfellows, a lot of interesting matchups. And I would, I would have preferred Kansas City, Green Bay, of course. Uh, and a lot of people think it has the makings for a great game. I don't understand the spread being where it is. I think it's far too low. I would make Kansas City a uh, five and a half, six-point favorite. And uh, as a result, to me, Kansas City covers this game easily as far as I'm concerned.
0: I would have to agree. I'm actually surprised it's not seven. Seven. I understand why it's not because it's the Super Bowl, but I think in the regular season, you'd see it where you said more toward six, six and a half, seven, fluctuating between those numbers as the week progressed. What the stats or the trends would tell you is that you're going to have to hold the Chiefs to, say, under 30 points. You're going to have to have an Aaron Rodgers esque offensive performance, Al where you're not getting over four touchdowns to give one last jab at the green Bay Packers. If you want to hear us rant about them for about 45 minutes, check out last week's episode. You're going to have to do that. And then also have Tom Brady be vintage, have the offense succeed in ways that go over the expectations of it and then get lucky there was an article written by Scott Caxmere about maybe these things would have to happen for the Patriots to win. He said the chiefs would maybe need to get cute calling a Travis Kelsey pass at say the one yard line thrown into Mahomes or something ridiculous before settling for a field goal or that Tyree kill or Hardman will drop a 90 yard touchdown pass wide open or a defensive defensive, player would get him a Mahomes fumble in the red zone or the chiefs will get holding three different times in one drive and have to punt. Well, that all those are the kind of things you need to pull it up. Zed, this of is course. the problem though, out Al. all those you know, things need- happen in week 12 and the Chiefs still won the game. Right. So that was his punchline at the end of that. So it just goes to show you how stacked against you. It is when you play the chiefs. I have to go Kansas City, as much as I hate doubting Tom Brady, as much as it has bit millions upon millions of people for the past decade plus to say that it's over for Tom, he don't have it no more. The other thing, (laughs) it's not going to be his night. um,
1: I think Patrick Mahomes. You know, remember, as I said earlier in the show, Patrick Mahomes pretty much stunk uh, for Patrick Mahomes yeah. and really any big-time quarterback. He played a lousy game until the last drive.
0: Well, they have a chip on their shoulder, Al, you mentioning this. It, which it, is, it, That's the interesting part of this game, too. You would think, you know, it's the Chiefs. They won right, last they, year, but they got now, a chip on their shoulder. The, chip on the, shoulder.
1: the, the, the oh, defending day. champs have got the chip on the shoulder yeah. because I think they figure, you know, it's Brady, 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 Brady. We're not getting any respect. We're the champs. And, you know, Mahomes has got to clearly think, you know, last year was, was not my finest hour. I got to play better. And I got to be better. And I certainly got to be better to beat these guys and beat Brady. And, you know, last year my team bailed me out. I'm not going to let that happen again where they have to bail, bail me out.
0: Legacy I've got getting thrown around. What's Tom Brady's legacy if he loses to Patrick Mahomes? What's Patrick Mahomes' legacy? I heard this getting thrown around, talk radio. Will he be able to overtake Tom Brady for his career? Because yeah, now he's just, obviously I, the early I, peg that, to be that, the one that can do it. Just, if he loses to, me, to Tom Brady, can he overtake him? And and people are saying no. <laughs> he's been in the league for a can of corn. Exactly. Enough already.
1: That is just, you know, what are that's doing? to make, that, that. that's to talk, that's to get, you know, takes, that's to get discussion, that's far too premature, All right, You know, the notion that if he, the notion that if he beats him, he's already caught him. Right? Come on, please. All right. Or if he beats him and he wins next year, he's already, he's 3-0 and he's beating him, so he's caught. Him, right? Can we stop with that stuff, please?
0: Hold on, because... There was a quarterback who, I don't know, was also named Tom Brady who quickly won three Super Bowls in his career and then went on an incredible drought, thought to never win again. He's done. That's it. He won his three and that's great, but he's probably not going to win again. And then as luck would have it, three more were in the can. We just didn't realize. So we both have the Chiefs by more than three. And three and a half at that if the line moves, folks. So that's where we're at. Fade accordingly, as we always tell you, for anything we've said throughout the Yes, show. listen
1: to what we say and, and, and enter your own risk.
0: Hold us accountable because if we were correct more often than not, you probably wouldn't be hearing from us on this type of an outlet.
1: Following our lead could clearly be hazardous to your pocketbook.
0: We'd, bore, we'd be on a more national scale. Before we get out of here, I have to just hear your excitement. I'm assuming for what your St. Louis Cardinals did. We spend so At much last... time on this show, busting their balls for not making any moves, for letting people go, for bringing back bombs, overpaying guys. And then you wake up one morning and you're gifted Nolan Arenado from the Colorado Rockies for, as I said, to start the show, a bag of ham sandwiches. Well, no. I'm taking the credit because I had two
1: rants on MLB with Jeff Choice and Jim Metal on Wednesday night and Thursday afternoon with Casey Stern and Ryan Spielberg. And lo and behold, Thursday night, Adam Wainwright was back in the fold. Friday night, Nolan Arenado's deal was being worked on and finalized. And the news was that Yadier Molina was coming back. So I'm taking all the credit because Yours truly ripping John Mazzella to shreds in two consecutive calls basically woke him up from hibernation. And to his credit, he got it done on this front by bringing in a perennial all-star and all-time defensive player. Regardless of his offensive prowess in Colorado and how he performs as a Cardinal outside of course Field, as I said to anyone who would listen, If he's just 25 and 90 for the duration of this contract, it's a mammoth upgrade and worth every penny because his defense is so magnificent. He makes the team so much better. And he's such a huge upgrade at the position over Matt Carpenter, who's 35 and washed up in the field and with a bat in his hands. And it relegates Matt Carpenter to the bench for his last year as a Cardinal. So. It's a mammoth upgrade from a lineup and a defensive standpoint. And they did not give up with the exception of Austin Gomber, any top prospects, and they got $50 million to boot. And as I understand, at least from what I read today in a couple of different places, contrary to what I heard earlier, this $50 million is not contingent upon the life of the contract. They are paying the first $35 million this year. According to what I saw today, his salary is being paid by Colorado in its entirety this year. And then it's $2.5 million a year for the life of the contract. So the Cardinals' payroll got reduced to $135 million before they signed anybody else this year, which now has opened up the possibilities of Jayco DeRisi. Obviously, the talk of bringing Molina back. So if that's in fact correct, it's just, you know, it set them up not just for this year, but for the future because they have so much. Um, so much money coming off the payroll next year with Matt Carpenter and Dexter Fowler and arguably Wainwright Molina if he comes back and Andrew Miller and Carlos Martinez if he doesn't come back who they have options, uh, an option on. So their payroll will be slashed massively. And if Aaron Otto, he won't opt out after next year no matter what because all the shortstops are going to be on the free agent market. But if he opts out after two years, well, that's going to be because he had a fantastic year. So that bodes well for the Cardinals, too, and they will have paid him a year's worth of salary, which will be the second year. And by then, their third base prospect, Nolan Gorman, is going to be ready. But I doubt he's going to opt out. But either way, it is a stroke of genius by John Masaliak. Uh, Jim Bowden says, I can't call for the next five years. and criticize him? Of course not. But I can compliment him for making a great
0: trade. Woof for Colorado Rockies fans is all I could say. Woof for having your what was that? best player what was that? just thrown aside. When it looks like when they signed him to that large deal, it's like, all right, he's, he's here. We're ready. Let's start getting some pieces up here and build around him. Nope. <laughs> Look, nope after twice as long in the same organization, However,
1: two totally different sports and contract structures, etc. but not totally dissimilar to the quarterback we talked about earlier in the program. It's true. Sign the big contract two years ago. They're going to build around him. Get me out of here. Get me out of here. Now, eight years there, I believe, um, shorter duration, but all guaranteed money.
0: Get me out. And welcome home if you're a St. Louis Cardinals fan. Happy days, finally, for your cards. We're excited for Sunday's game. Always exciting when the Super Bowl is around, but the storylines are all set. Al, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. Folks, my partner, the great John Tiny
1: Lawn, until next week, I am Al Renato, AKL, from my place. Have a great and safe Super Bowl Sunday. Take care, everybody.